This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is, as always, kindly sponsored by Short and Horn, Coventry's leading estate agents. I'm David and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined this evening by Matt. How are we doing? All good. And Ross. Good evening, boys. We've got a, a packed show, guys. Uh, a chance to look back at Saturday's loss to QPR a stats pack preview for both Stoke and, um, on, of course, Middlesbrough. And we'll also deep dive into the transfer window. But let's get cracking with this weekend's match against QPR. Matt, can you fill in for Grizo this week? Kick us off with the I'll stats. Try, yeah. I know it's uh, big shoes to fill on this one. I know he's a, he's a big fan of the stats. But yeah, it's, it kind of goes back to a little bit of what we've said over the last couple of months in terms of possession. Um, a lot of the time you'll find a team that that has the, the better possession actually come out on the wrong side of the, the scoreline. And that's obviously been the case again here because we've dominated really 58.4% possession. Uh, and from a shot's perspective, anything from an attacking point of view is is all in our favour. 21 shots to eight for them. And that relates to seven on target for us to just three for them. And so conversion-wise for them, obviously, it's uh, two out of three attempts on goal. And passes completed as... Only one side in it, really, 403 for us against 263 on the other side, where we've probably lost the game. And I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this is in terms of kind of when it comes to the breakdown and, and the battles uh, throughout the game. We've had eight interceptions to their 12 and kind of real telling stat is, is nine tackles, one for us against 20 for them, which is uh, obviously always going to make it a struggle to, to win at this level. And we've done well in the air, 19 arrow. Jules won against 12, but again, kind of standout thing for me is that going back to the possession, we've we've clearly won that side of things, but again, come out on the, the losing side, unfortunately. Yeah, thanks ever so much for those, Matt. And uh, of course, the lovely chaps at the near post EFL for their stats on a weekly basis. 
prior to the match, we expected Godden to be missing issues with his appendix. And that paved the way for Jokerez to come in for his first start since West Brom at home in December. And Simon Moore also returned to the starting eleven. But but Ross, what did you think of the lineup? And was there any surprises for you? Uh, no, not really. I expected once we had the obviously the the sort of awful news um, about Matty Godden when that was confirmed. I expected personally that we'd go to the box. I expected us to go one up top, and I think Jokerez, to be fair, is probably our best striker in terms of one up top. So I. I expected that. I guess the only surprise for me, I was glad to see Simon Moore back into the starting eleven. although Will, Ben Wilson had played well for the three games that he'd been in. I, I thought we'd uh, give uh, Jake Bidwell a start. I remember mentioning this to you uh, before the game. Yeah. Um, and obviously Jordan Shipley kept his place. And obviously based on form, he, he played very well last uh, against Peterborough, as did the whole team. So based off that, you can't argue that he'd lose his place. But I sort of expected... I think, you know, because Peterborough are a poor side, I, I sort of thought Bidwell's come in. I thought we could see him sort of start the game, but it wasn't to be. Um, and obviously we'll get to sort of Jordan Shipley and, and the rest of the performance. But no, overall, I think the formation was what I expected. One up top, pack that midfield. Um, and yeah, overall, I, I was I was, pr- yeah, I was pretty excited with the, uh, with the team we went out with. Yeah, and it didn't take long, sadly. The Sky Blues quickly went 1-0 down. After Andre Gray broke down, QPR's left, um, put it through the legs of Hyam and passed more. But could it have been prevented, Matt? What was your take oh, on absolutely. the goal? Yeah, unfortunately so. I, I think there's no getting away from it. It's a, it is a nice finish when he when he kind of gets into the right position. He's almost used Hyam as a disguise for me. He's kind of um, put a shot between his legs, as you say, and it's going to make it really difficult for, for more to react to it. So... When it comes to the, the defensive side, you know, the back line and, and Hyam in particular, because obviously he's directly involved in it or more. Um, I don't really put any blame on them, but it's in the middle of the pitch. We've lost possession of the ball when we really shouldn't. And kind of, you know, we, we've actually won the knockdown, which we seem to struggle to do a lot of the time. And, and Sheaf's got it. I know Sheaf has played well in, in recent weeks and I can see what he's trying to do. He's obviously just trying to fend off the opposition and let the <laughs> maybe more talented teammate uh, in Hamer get the ball and try and do something with it but yeah. realistically the, the ball is there for him and, and you've got to do something you've got to take it on yourself to kind of um, you know actually distribute the ball or do something with it so it's one of those situations I think you can see what he's trying to do it is unfortunate and it's you know not something maybe to uh, focus on too much because you can you know you can understand it but yeah unfortunately it has led to a goal they've done really well off the back of it it's very incisive break you know Willick is a is a really good player at this level and he's cut through the defence with one pass and it's a good finish, as I say. But yeah, unfortunately for me, it's an avoidable goal, unfortunately. Yeah, and it wasn't long actually after that goal that the Sky Blues had a glorious chance that fell to Allen, um, fired straight at Marshall, uh, but a good chance, Ross. Yeah, he had a few chances in that first half, Alan. He actually had a, a, a similar chance, but on the other side, uh, before they even scored, he was put through a couple of times. And um, and with this one, I, I fancied him more because it was on his right foot. Uh, and he, you know, he struck it sort of well, but it was sort of nice height for Marshall, who um, who was able to sort of parry it, you know, to safety. Uh, but it was a good opportunity, and it that that's those runs that Alan, I think, does ever so well. Um, you know, he makes those runs. Does seem to find himself in pockets of space. He does. He? And and this sort of I always system. think of that goal at Bristol Rovers away. It's exactly know, that was him breaking through, wasn't it? And he and he finished it off that time. But, it, but that's why the, the system we play, whoever's in, you know, when we play the box, Callum O'Hare's obviously ever present. Him and Alan 
chances fall to those two guys, you know, and we'll, we'll discuss, I'm sure later on, you know, taking chances and stuff, but uh, you know, the chances are falling, you know, and, and it was a good chance. He actually had another chance shortly after where uh, sort of a strike on the edge of the box, he sort of dragged that wide and, but he finds himself in the positions, Jamie Allen. And I actually think along with O'Hare, both of them could have a lot more goals to their names um, based, you know, with the chances yeah. that they actually, they get because they're not sort of, I saw half chances. I, I think sometimes, you know, especially maybe even the very first one before QPI even scored. I, I thought even that was probably even better. You know, it, it, his first touch, as Mark Robbins alluded to, was sort of away from goal and it was on his left foot. So then he, he sort of never really fancied him from there. But um, no, it was a good chance. And unfortunately, um, yeah, unfortunately it didn't go in. Yeah, and Matt, but... Ross has spoke there about chances. It wasn't that many um, in the rest of the half. It, it was, we kind of had a lot of possession and kind of all over them, but weren't carving out lots of opportunities. But there there was a, an O'Hare shot, which Marshall saved, but it looked pretty comfortable. Um, he caught that on the half volley, I think, from a Shipley throw. Um, and then there was the a big shout for a penalty. Uh, O'Hare's shot again, but looked like striking the arm of the QPR defender. How did you see that penalty shout? I think if you go by the letter of the law, it's probably one that's, you know, if we're a Premier League side, I know we don't particularly like talking about VAR. If we're in the Premier League, I think it's probably given. Um, but it's also one for me. It's not something I'm shouting about for, for too long after the game, if I'm honest with you, even if you could make a justifiable argument to say it is actually handball. You know, it, it's point blank range. It comes at him fast. You kind of say his arms do make a movement towards where the ball is going. But I think you kind of, what you actually see the defender do is more turning his body to, to obviously try and block the shot. And his yeah. arms kind of swing out as a reaction to that. Yeah. Um, and it definitely strikes him. So, you know, from, from the perspective of, should it be a penalty then, you know, theoretically I would say yes, but yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, it's kind of one of those situations. It's not one that you kind of, it's a bit clutching, clutching for straws if we're kind of saying, you know, oh, we should have had a penalty for that. It's kind of, you know, come on, realistically, we have had other chances throughout the game that we should be taking. If we're, if we're needing those kind of decisions to go our way, then, um, you know, there's, there's probably a bigger problem there, to be honest. Yeah, Ross, how did you, what did you think about that shout, penalty shout? Um, similar to Matt, really. I mean, I guess at the time, I, I didn't get too excited. It, it felt like he, the play was very close to O'Hare. Um, but we had a lot of moments like that. And actually, we got in some really good positions in, in that first half. So although maybe in terms of, you know, there was a couple of saves which we spoke about, but there was another one where Jokeres took it round. Sorry, no, Jamie Allen took it round Marshall and you just wanted that bit of composure to pull it back yeah. to someone to then strike it in. But it, it never, it didn't end up that way and it didn't even, wouldn't have registered as a shot. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, we had a few of them in the game. So I mean, the stats looked completely one-sided anyway. And then mm. you add on to that, all the those, uh, types of those those sort of chances where you're in unbelievable positions. And I just thought, th I was trying to flip it and think if QPR had been in the amount of great positions that we were in, I think five that one. they would have scored four or five goals. <laughs> yeah, uh, And so there's huge positives to take from that. Um, but yes, it was just, we were just lacking that final killer pass, killer moment in that first half. Otherwise, I mean, people sat around me, we, you know, I couldn't believe we were losing. We should, you know, we should have been, at minimum two on up, really, I think, with the sort of areas that we were getting into. Yeah, well, the Sky Blues went in behind. Um, plenty of possession, though, and it, it felt at times like we were pr probably in charge of the game. Um, the second half, we started again really well, Ross, and on the 50th minute, 
we finally got ourselves back on level terms. Talk us through this goal because it, it was very special, wasn't it? Oh, it was uh, it was an incredible uh, strike. And uh, yeah, it all stemmed from, uh, it actually stemmed from uh, a corner. Uh, Todd Kane was obviously getting booed every time we got the ball uh, by the QPR fans. But before that, Todd Kane had whipped in a superb cross, which looked like Jokerez was going to just head it in. You know, uh, and Rob Dickey made an unbelievable last-ditch clearance and it went out for the corner. And then from this resulting corner, Kane, he's whipped it in low. And obviously from I'm sat, you know, the other end of the ground, I'm thinking I, I couldn't tell who he, who he sort of decided to whip it to. And it's bounced on the half volley. Shipley just ran onto it and hit this absolutely like rocket of a shot. And obviously I was right behind it. And I just saw this ball curl and fizz straight. I mean, Marshall had absolutely no chance. Uh, and it was an unbelievable strike, unbelievable technique. And that is one thing I think Jordan Shipley has got like yeah. in abundance, yeah. his technique, like some of the goals last season, you think Swansea and then towards the end of the season when he scored in two and two, his finishes, you always feel like they've got a real, like they have got an air of real class about them. Like you sort of feel like you, he, you know what he knows what he's doing. Do you know what I mean? In, in terms of the, the technique and it was an unbelievable yeah. uh, strike. Technique. I mean, he, he potentially missed a much easier one later on in, in this in the half. Yeah. Uh, but but this one was a superb goal. Probably, you know, from just thinking right now, probably one, yeah, probably the best goal we, we've scored this season. I just I, that's the sort of strike where you just go, you've caught it absolutely perfectly. And at that point, you're thinking, what a start to the second half. We'd come out, we were penning them in. I don't think they'd got ventured out of the half by no. that point. No. Uh, and and it it. it if you were a QPR fan, you know, on your big day out, um, you'd have been thinking, we're, we're, we're in trouble here. You know, mm-hmm. big, big trouble, especially that we got the equaliser so quick. So unbelievable strike, full credit to Jordan Shipley, because, you know, we've all been, you know, maybe critical at times, but I think his actual game as well was so, so good. And what a strike, what a strike for your first goal of the season. Yeah, but you could have bring you in actually, Matt, on that because we, we've all, I think everyone's had comments to make about Jordan Shipley and whether he could make the step up um, to the championship. He put in a few good performances last season when, when he was needed. Um, there's been other performances perhaps that he's felt looked a little bit short or a bit off the the pace, um, should we say. But he's he's moved himself back into this left wing back position. Um, obviously, while Matson was, was injured and we were dealing with the, you know, the rounds of the transfer window um we haven't seen much of Bidwell but would you take Shipley over Matson? do you think he can cement himself there as that position in the left wing back or is he just I think job? yeah I mean I guess for me it's a case of with Shipley I would I would like him to stay now purely on the basis of his his versatility and kind of what yeah. he can bring over a few positions and I would agree with what Ross has said there in terms of kind of his technical ability when it comes to finishing. I would, now we've got Godin out the side, I, I would struggle to find anybody from a, a, an actual pure striking perspective who would top shift. Do you think the left wing back position, some players in, in the championship seem to play better when the game's going on in front of them. Mm. Um, and at times in that attacking, he can sort of feel like he's a little bit lost. Does that make sense? You know, he's chasing yeah. shadows at times. Do you think that, position helps him where he's sort of coming on to the play a lot more rather than because I don't really remember him having too many difficulties down defensively no. yesterday I th- yeah I mean it, it's probably just one of those things it, it maybe is a little bit more you, you probably get a little bit more time because 
like you say, a higher majority of the game is going to be in front of you. So you've got that time to kind of take it in, maybe a bit more time to prepare if you see an attack coming in your direction. And, you know, if if from his perspective, he he hasn't got that kind of maybe confidence that he is a, a fully equipped championship level player, um, maybe you could struggle in an attacking sense a bit more because it's going to come at you and you need to you need to make something happen. Um and I'm, I'm not talking from a striking striking perspective there because I can, obviously, as I just said, I think technically from that perspective, he's one of the best, but just making something happen in general, getting the ball in it and, you know, you've got to throw a little pass through or, yeah. or do the right thing with it across or, or, or whatever. And I think he does struggle from that perspective. I think, yeah, if you can view the game, there's obviously, he is, he is a solid player, but I just think all around from his perspective, it's the versatility. Well, there's two things for me. He can play in a few positions and I think we've obviously... Um, lost a couple of people in this window and now we've lost Godden from a striking perspective. Obviously, I'm not saying he's versatile enough to, to maybe start up front, but I just think in terms of the fact that he can play a few positions, cover them for us. You know, you talk about yeah. left wing back. I do feel comfortable now if he was to play that. I still feel I would probably have a preference towards Matson and uh, Bidwell just because I, I, I think that's probably their more settled position and um, maybe we can rely on them a bit more. But um, I, I certainly wouldn't have a problem if he's playing there. And then the other side, from an attacking midfielder perspective, again, there's other people I'd prefer to be in that area of the pitch. I would prefer O'Hare and, and Allen, to be honest with you. But yeah. I also do think, and kind of going back to the original point in terms of striking the ball, he probably represents the best chance to be able to put the ball away if he gets into those kind of positions that we did see Alan and, and, and O'Hare has done yeah. for the last few weeks to be honest with you I, I think he's co- probably the one that we could expect to um, you know most likely find the back of the net because from a technical point of view overall I, I do think maybe he struggles a little bit but um, from a striking perspective he he's probably in the top three at the club even with everybody fit and available yeah, and we, you know, we've got a really, really jam-packed February, haven't we? And we're going to need everyone to play their part. So Jordan Shipley, perhaps, you know, could be someone that could start to to get even more minutes on the pitch in, in that busy, busy February period. O'Hare and Hamer, Ross, linked up really well. Um, and they linked up with a little one-two. Um, it, it, the shot was parried by Marshall and, and Jokerez, um Couldn't quite get there, could he, ahead of the defender. But we had some chances again, and, and we, we sort of, started to get back on top didn't we well i think the other thing to point out is also yeah we had that um that obviously large sort of stoppage immediately after our goal yeah i felt but i i think we actually i thought we actually did really well i sort of sat there and was a bit sort of um anxious that actually that was going to play into qpr's favor and you'd you'd notice that immediately but actually we got back right back on the horse and we went at them and yokerez Prior to that, had an unbelievable uh, chance uh, where he he shot uh, hit that left-footed sort of shot, and yeah. I thought it was a goal. Whizzed yeah. past the post. Then this chance that you've just mentioned again, lovely link-up play. O'Hare was really good with those sort of little layoffs uh, yesterday, and uh, he laid it off. Good strike from Hamer, forced uh, uh, probably a better save than what Marshall had made in the first half. Really got down low. Um, you're thinking Victor's just going to knock it in. And it was just, and I've already mentioned about uh, Rob Dickey making one piece of great defending. This was his second. I don't know how he got there. I mean, you watch it on the replay and he's got there and he's managed it. Like you think Victor's like the favorite and he he slides it, he hooks it away. And it was, uh, I mean, like I say that, you know, you'd only get one shot on target from that chance, you know, the Hamer one, but the Victor chance, you're thinking that's huge. That's goal bound. and, And it's an unbelievable piece of defending. Uh, but it was good play. And as you say, David, we, we did have some really good, incisive, great moves. 
I genuinely think it was one of the better performances of the, of the season. Uh, especially at yeah. home I, I genuinely do yeah. as a whole 90 minute package I thought I struggle I sort of left the when ground when you look at like, large parts of perhaps Derby and, and Bristol City um, oh large yeah the first half against Bristol was was, yeah. was shocking uh, and then we and we were much better when we went down to 10 men and went four at the back but this performance against a team you know the the, the criticism has been oh you know it's alright playing you know, beating Peterborough 4-1 now yes the results against the teams in the playoffs we need to turn them around. But the performances, for the most part, have been there. Huddersfield, over 20 attempts on goal. No way should we have drawn that game. And again today, uh, sorry, on Saturday, we absolutely battered uh, QPR. And so it was another chance. Great defending from QPR. They were very resolute, you know, because you know, they struggled really for the most part. In that second half, they, they, they struggled to get out. Yeah. No, agreed. And it, for me, Matt, it seemed seemingly from nothing, actually, that QPR took the lead. Um, a floated ball into the box and Adoma beat Bidwell to the ball and, and headed past more. How did you see the goal? Did you think Bidwell could have perhaps done more? I did, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, mm. it's one of those situations you probably want to give somebody a little bit of leeway on on their debut. And obviously, he's, he's not played the full game either. He's come into the side uh, later on into the game. So it's not it's not the most horrific thing, but when you kind of, when you watch it back, you do think you kind of wonder what he's doing. I mean, in yeah, fairness, it's the goal side, isn't it? It's the goal yeah. side for me. That's yeah. There's just you think it's one of those attack the ball, go for the ball, um, get in front of the defender. He just seems to. I, I don't know if he's overthinking it. He's trying to be a bit too smart and kind of do this thing now where defenders will try and lean in and and get somebody out of position Edge so they can't score. Yeah, you're just thinking sometimes we, we don't need that. Threat. Just 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 deal with the ball. It's neat play from them. I think kind of. Some, maybe a little bit of a similarity in the two goals from their perspective is in one side, in one respect, they've kind of um, put a nice little passage of play together. Obviously, the first one was very quick, decisive, um, cutting through the middle of our of our defence and, and obviously a nice finish. This one was really nice play out on the left-hand side, really kind of short, neat passing um, to get Willick into space. And, it, and that, from, from that perspective, was, you know, not much we could do. They just showed great quality in getting Willick space to the cross. It's a good ball in. Again, don't get me wrong. Uh, what we're saying with Bidwell, it's easier said than done to attack that ball and, and win the header. But you're thinking, well, that's at least what he should be trying to do. And it's just really, it's just an odd choice, I think, uh, unfortunately. It was, should he have yeah, been on the, the pitch though, Matt? I, I actually thought, and, mm. I, and, you know, and I'm contradicting myself here because before the game, I wanted Bidwell to start. But I thought Jordan Shipley had a really good game. And I actually was really surprised when yeah. he took... Jordan Shipley off and I know you want to give a player a debut I, I wanted to give Bidwell his debut as much as anyone I wanted him to start but actually I thought Shipley Jordan Shipley's whole game was he? yeah he I, wasn't struggling mm. defensively he wasn't struggling he wasn't tired I didn't look at him mm. and think oh he's he didn't get caught out and you go oh you know what his legs are gone maybe we need mm. to change I thought he was getting up he was getting and on forward. a high still from scoring you know absolutely you yeah. know and I know he I just it, to me I sort of almost <sighs> It felt like if John Shipley was getting, if they were on top and he was getting sort of, you know, sort of torn a bit down down that side, you sort of maybe think, okay, yeah, fine. But they were doing nothing. Fresh and legs, so yeah. John Shipley was on a high. He was buzzing. Yes, he'd had that other chance, which he, he probably feels like he should have done better with, you know, when Victor laid it across to him. And you're thinking mm. on his left foot, back of the net. But uh, so I was a bit surprised. Bidwell, I think, washing it back. I, yeah, I, I think he was um, potentially at fault there. But it, also too much time for Willick just to float the ball in. How easy, how simple, you know. And that's what's frustrating. We we work so hard to create openings in the game and don't take them. And for them, it just seems like it's one pass, one through ball, one little lofted ball, and 
and back of the net. We've got to defend better. We've got to defend better than that, I think. It was, it was unfortunate. Oh, sorry, sorry Matt, carry on. No, just going to say, I, I agree. I think kind of from this perspective, it almost seems like when you do have a player come into, a, into the club and he comes into the squad for his first game, there's almost a, a substitution for substitute just to kind of get them on the pitch if they're not going to start the game. And it almost is a kind of ingratiate them into the team, get them some playing minutes under their belt as well. And I would agree. I just, it felt like an unnecessary uh, substitution for us to make. So yeah, I, I would hundred percent agree. I it just, why would we change it when we felt so comfortable from a defensive perspective? And it is frustrating. I do think kind of give them a little bit of credit with the build-up. It, it was kind of a nice passage of play. And that's, I think, what's maybe led to them creating that space for the cross. But yeah, 100% agree. I, I, it was an unusual substitution, even though you are kind of expecting him to get some kind of run out for his first game. Yeah. And we had large chunk of stoppage time, of course, but in the sort of, Dying embers. You always feel with the Sky Blues that they're going to get a, you know, a last bite of the cherry, and and we did a glorious chance to level it. Ross O'Hare got behind QPR's defence. He squared it to Waghorn, who opened up his body, but just couldn't squeeze it past Marshall. Personally, no, was... I felt that he he didn't really hit it with much conviction. I know he was a bit cold maps on you know onto the pitch, but for me, I, I just didn't really think there was any conviction there in that and. Um, glorious opportunity really it was a it was a great chance when you live i thought it was a great chance watching it back um no one's tracking him you know he's actually he's he's opening the box you're thinking as a striker coming back you know he's played a few minutes in the under 23 he's got a goal midweek you're thinking that's the sort of chance you want you know it's rolling perfectly o'hare's played a great pass it was nice play by jody jones as well with the sort of a reverse pass uh, leading to to put o'hare in and I think Mark Robbins alluded to it. I think if he takes that with his right foot instead of letting the ball go across his body yeah. onto his stronger left, because the problem is that then gave just time. that extra bit of time for that defender yeah. and for Marshall to come out. I think flip that uh, chance over to, say, the left side, the left wing, and that's pulled back. I think Wycorn takes it on his left foot first time, and I think there's a much higher chance that that, go, that, that yeah. smashed into the back of the net. Frustrating because it was a really, really good chance. Um and you felt that was the moment when that moment went begging, you, you thought that that was the chance. Are we going to get a better one? And which we didn't uh, in the of remaining course. minutes. So, and that's the thing, isn't it? it? It felt, it felt with this, Matt, that it was actually a very, very good performance. And I know we say that every single week that we've come a long way, but going toe to toe with a championship side like that, it, it showed a lot, didn't it? Yeah. And kind of picking up on what Ross was saying earlier, if you actually delve into some of the results we've had recently, you know, it's unarguable from a result perspective that we have dipped off from the start of the season. The fixtures have got harder, unarguably, over the last kind of two months or so. And I don't think massively that the performance of the team in those two months has majorly dropped off. And you, again, going back to some of those games, Huddersfield, Sheffield United, Birmingham, um, and a few others in there, where we dominated for, for <clears throat> large periods of the game, if not the whole game. So it just feels like there's something not clicking as much now from uh, kind of where we were earlier in the season, just a little bit in terms of kind of taking some of these opportunities and uh, a little bit of that is obviously going to be around personnel and kind of maybe the mix of the team. And we've had a couple of injuries and everything, um, which is, which is broken up proceedings. Obviously when you, when you look at Gokarez and Waghorn, I know Waghorn hasn't really scored, um, only just got a couple this season, but that combination was working really well. And you felt, 
Uh, even if Godden was to go out injured, you thought maybe if the two of them could play um, together and kind of rekindle that form, we'd be okay. But it, yeah. I think probably yesterday did show that's going to take a little bit of time just to assume that's going to kick straight back in as it did kind of earlier on in the season. But it just feels as, I don't know, just a little bit of a spark, whether it's a little bit of a shift around in terms of kind of personnel playing in different positions to try and um, spark something because we are creating the chances we are the better team for, for large periods, a lot of games. And it definitely was the case against, again, yesterday against QPR, but I don't know, just something that we can, um, whether, yeah, like I say, it's, it's a shift in personnel of people who are already in there, or if there is any possibility for us to do a little bit of business before the end of the window. Yeah. I mean, it would be lovely to see some more bodies come through the door. We always want, want more uh we've obviously uh, which we'll talk about later had a few that have gone gone out and, and perhaps saved some some wages so ross i'm going to bring it to you you know man of the match um in the in this fixture who who is your your uh, top player i think i will give it to jordan shipley i i i actually thought he had a really good game right from the start i thought the thing with jordan shipley whenever he plays i always think if he has a first a good couple of first involvements whether it's passes and he, he looked sharp he was crisp with his passing down that left he linked nice with with Clark Salter and, and the midfielders and obviously scored a superb goal which is just the tragic thing about it is it, it should have got us at minimum a point um, or contributed to us going on to win the game but it didn't but I, I think Jordan Shipley played very very well and scored uh, a superb goal so yeah man of the match for me and Matt what about yourself I probably, it's probably the first time I've ever given it to anybody other than a striker, but Clark Salter for me was um, solid. Didn't really have a a flashy game, but I don't think he does. I think he just does everything well. And I think it was just that consistency at the back in terms of kind of doing the right thing, right choices, as Ross mentioned, kind of linked up well with Shipley over that side as well. I just, for me, um, if there is a way for us to, to make that a permanent transfer in the summer, which I think is probably going to be one of the focuses for us, um, when you look at McFadden, is obviously seemingly rolling back the years, but he is he is getting on in years now. Um, we are going to need to address that that area, and I think since he's come back, uh, you know, it's only been three games or so, but I think he's looked solid in another really solid performance here. So any game where I think everybody played, you know, fairly well, um, but maybe there wasn't any massive standout performances, I think he was just that consistent uh, level to to get the nod from me. Brilliant. Thanks. And um, yeah, the guys at near post EFL, of course, again, they um, help us with all of our stats and the page man of the match yesterday was Jordan Shipley passing accuracy of 83.9, two shots. Um, he made the second most uh, key passes, obviously scored a great goal and got a who scored rating of 7.47. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. The Sky Blues will entertain Stoke on Tuesday night in the rearranged fixture. It's good to have a fixture so quickly after Saturday's defeat, isn't it, Ross? Yeah, it is. And I think uh, the players will be uh, chomping at the bit. I think as soon as that full-time whistle went, I think everyone's attention turned to Tuesday. It was, a, it was as we've already spoken about, a top, top performance. And I, uh, you know, I posted in our Sky Blues Extra Group, I thought it was a top performance against a team who were in the top four. And... You know, that's the benchmark and we more than competed we we battered them at him and their manager admitted they stole the points so you know it wasn't like the Millwall game where it finished and I left the ground sort of feeling a bit down in the dumps and you're sort of thinking oh dearie me that was sort of that was a bit turgid 
I thought it was, I felt energized. And I, all I could think about was bring on Tuesday. I want Tuesday to come, come now. The sooner it comes, the better. And I think the players will be feeling like that, you know, and bring it on, bring them on. It's a, it's a great chance. We're at home again, hopefully a good crowd again, good atmosphere. And as you say, you know, you want to bounce back. The result wasn't what we wanted, but if we put in that performance again, I can't help but feel that, you know, the results will turn. Yeah, exactly. We've had some brilliant feedback from people online about of our previews. So I'm going to pass over to Matt now to talk about Stoke, who have won two from their last six uh, and lost in their recent fixture against Fulham. But what else do we know about them? Yeah, it's been a bit of a drop off for them in, in recent weeks. They're always sat pretty much in and around the playoff places for most of the season been pretty much within one or two places of the Sky Blues for most of the season as well. But uh, as you say, only two in the last six. They've lost last three out of their last four and five of the last eight league games. So overall recent form hasn't been great. But having said that, coming into this game, it has turned a little bit the last three games. They've won in the Cup, um, which you'd expect against lower league opposition. They also had a solid 2-0 road win against Hull. And then um, obviously they did lose at the weekend, but a 3-2 loss against Fulham at the moment seems almost like a moral victory. And I know a lot of their yeah, fans are almost claiming it as a moral victory to keep them to less than, let's say, six or seven goals at the moment. So it, really not too bad form when you actually break it down from that perspective in terms of the last three games. And in terms of kind of when it comes to their away form, they're one of the strongest teams in the league, they rank fourth in the Championship XG away table, uh, having picked up 17 points to date. And they actually come into the game having won four of the last five away games. So from that perspective, we can expect a difficult team who travel well. Um, nothing really stand out from them in terms of perspective of goals scored or, or goals against. They've got 32 goals to name, which is the second lowest out of the top 11 sides. But in all honesty, when you get outside of the top four, that kind of run between the teams really kind of um, pushing the playoff spaces, it, it's very close from that perspective. And um, a decent defensive record with 28, 28 goals conceded. Um, but they've brought some players in during the window, a couple of low moves, which are young Premier League players. A lot still to be seen from that perspective, although they're quite optimistic. Um, a couple of players from well, a, a, kind of a young player from Villa as well who they're hoping to see a lot from, but two permanent transfers, um, one of which being Lewis Baker, who for me, quite an interesting move to bring him in. He's one of these players spent a lot of time uh, at Chelsea, but really never played for them. A lot of low moves out to uh, Holland and kind of around the lower leagues in England as well. Likes of MK, MK Dons and um, a few other clubs in kind of League One, League Two level. So interesting move for them to put a lot of expectation on his shoulders, but he did score um, in the last couple of games as well. So he's come in and, and had a solid start. And another big name is obviously Phil Jagielka, who seems to be another player rolling back the years, uh, 39 now. But they needed to bring somebody at centre-back. They've lost both Danny Bath and obviously Leo Ostergaard has, has left them as well. He's ended his loan move early. So uh, an important move. Both of those players have come in and started for them straight away. So we can probably expect to see them feature at the weekend, but a big name who will be missing is uh, Nick Powell. He's, he's obviously been missing for a while for them. He uh, was their top scorer with six goals going into October and he suffered a crack fibula and um, nobody's really kind of jumped out and, and stood out as a kind of a uh, main goal threat. J uh, Jacob Brown has got six goals as well. So he's probably the, the biggest threat from that perspective, but uh, a big loss for them. He has returned to training, but yeah, we don't expect to see him back on Tuesday nights, which is, probably a plus from a commentary perspective. Brilliant. And 
Ross after consuming all of that, which I'm sure our listeners will, will also enjoy uh, getting the low down there on Stoke. They travel on, you know, they travel really well um, away from home. So what would your prediction be for that? 2-0. Uh, Win. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We've got to bounce back. We haven't lost back-to-back games all season. So I want that to continue. Um, and I think if we play like we did on Saturday, a 2-0 win. Come on. And Matt, after, again, you know, going through all of that, spent obviously some time on on, on the stats there. What what would you say for the Tweet League as well? Yes, yeah, it's obviously scared me a little bit. I'm going to be the villain of the piece here. I, I think we might struggle, you know. I just... I agree with what Ross has said in terms of the performance against QPR and, and a lot of games in recent weeks, we've been far and away the better team. And I just think we're still waiting for something to click in. What worries me, you look at a game like QPR, where we have been so dominant in, in so many areas and created a lot of chances, is we've, we just are really struggling to take them. And I, I don't know, I, I think almost I worry about the fact that it's a tight turnaround because I'm not sure what... Um, what will change in that period of time. Look, I, I do think we do bounce back well. It's something we've said over, um, you know, the time we've been back at the championship, we don't go on um, runs of losses. We, we will address it, but I, I'm a little bit worried about this one. I think we might, I think we might just lose 2-1, unfortunately, again. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Well, hopefully buoyed by a decent performance and a result against Stoke on Tuesday. The Sky Blues will then travel north, a tricky fixture against Inform Middlesbrough. There could be better times to play Borough, couldn't there, Matt? Uh, with an extra day of rest, they're playing Blackburn on Monday evening, of course. Um, but as I say, in, in superb form, are you, are you worried? Yeah, it's a tricky game, which feels like one of those places we don't really travel well going up to Middlesbrough. It's obviously a long journey um, we, we don't seem to do well up there. So I think, as you say, they're on great form, six wins and a draw out the last seven. Um, a couple of interesting moves for them in chance winner. And I know Ross will probably touch on that in a bit more detail. Got a couple of young loanies from uh, Aaron Connolly from Brighton and Balogun from Arsenal. So I'm actually quite interested and obviously hopefully it doesn't go too well for them next weekend against us, but quite interested to see how they'll settle in there. Um, but yeah, certainly with that extra day's rest with the form they're on and, and obviously a long journey up there, it's going to be a tricky, tricky game for sure. Yeah. We've heard they're a team in form Ross. Um, but yeah. What else have you found out about Middlesbrough? Well, obviously Middlesbrough, they're a team that when we played them earlier in the season, Neil Warnock was their manager at the time. They've obviously had a change of manager and Chris Wilder, who who came in very uh, quickly after uh, Warnock was sort of relieved of his duties. And I think we can all agree Chris Wilder, is a sort of a very exciting and sort of a very positive appointment for a sort of any team in the championship looking to sort yeah. of get out of the division. And Middlesbrough is certainly one of those. When we played the Middlesbrough in the season, I thought they were very poor, very average. Um, and I know the Middlesbrough fans were sort of uh, disenchanted with what they were watching. And I think they had had enough of uh, Warnock. Wilders obviously come in. And as Matt sort of touched on there, they're... I mean, in the form table, they are their second in the form table, uh, only to Blackburn, who who they face. Uh, uh, well, Monday night, so tonight yeah. when this podcast goes out, it's a it's a clash of number one and number two in the form tables. Um, both have got nineteen points from the last eight games. So, as you touched on there, David, it's going to be there's better times to play a team, but also. You know we've got to we've got to believe in ourselves. Um, they play a, a, a three five two, as uh, Matt 
uh, touched on, they have made some moves in the um, in the transfer market. And Balogun is someone who I think every championship team, you know, would love to have been able to sort of be the team who gets, you know, selected to get him on loan uh, from Arsenal. Um, and they've made other additions as well. Um, they haven't they haven't got an individual who, you know, we, we hear people crying out for sort of, oh, we need people who to score, you know, X amount of goals here, there. Middlesbrough haven't got someone who scored an outrageous amount of goals. Matt Crook, someone they signed from Rotherham in the summer, he's their joint top scorer with six goals. Um you know, and obviously we've got Matty Gordon out, but, you know, we've still got Victor Jokerez on nine. Um, but, you know, they seem to spread their goals around the team. Uh, and obviously Chris Wilder's come in and I guess his remit will be, you know, and their objective will be to try and get into the playoffs. Um, but as I say, in the form table, they're doing very, very well. I mean, since he took charge, Chris Wilder, his, his first game was a one-all draw against Millwall. They've only lost once since he took over and that was a, a home defeat to Preston in his second game. And since then they've, uh, and that was in the 23rd of November. So they've been on an unbelievable run, uh, four straight wins uh, away from home. They haven't uh, lost since Chris Wilder has, um, you know, come in and obviously they've only had that one defeat against Preston uh, and they're, they're keeping clean sheets uh, now, you know, with home wins against Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, those two sides are doing well. They beat those uh, in December uh, with clean sheets along the way as well. And recently they beat Reading and we'll see how they get on against Blackburn. That would be a real sort of a good test there uh, between two sides who are going very, very well of late and we will be aiming to get into the playoffs. So there's obviously players to look out for. Their new signings, of course, are going to be dangerous. Um, you know, their midfield, they like to cram that midfield. Matt Crooks has obviously been uh, very, very good, especially of late. We've got to be at it. Um, and I do agree with Matt. I always feel like there's certain grounds where when you're thinking, oh, we're away at such and such a team, you sort of, yeah. you either feel positive or, or not that positive. And, and Middlesbrough is one of them where I sort of go, I, no, I don't know. I sort of, I get a bit like, th that was the game of the three. I was looking at these three games, QPR, uh, Stoke and Middlesbrough. And I was thinking four points I'd be absolutely delighted with. And Middlesbrough was the game where I thought we'll lose that. And also we've lost to QPR, so we need to try and do something against Middlesbrough to, to get that four points and obviously try and beat Stoke on Tuesday. So they're a good team. They've got a very good manager. They've obviously got you know a big budget as well. They're obviously in the yeah. middle of this sort of legal wrangle with Derby as well and everything, yeah. you know, over Martin Waghorn. So maybe Martin Waghorn can come and, and score against them, you know, um, and that which would be sort of poetic as well. So uh, it's a tough game. But we, we need to we need to believe in ourselves and we've got to look at it. We've got games in hand on them. And if we want to catch them, Stoke and Middlesbrough, then let's go and beat them. You know, what, what, you know, let's take it to them. Give it a go. Yeah. Matt, as Ross says, a really, really tough fixture, a team that's well in form. Um, on, on the reading of it, it looks very, very bleak uh, for a ground that we probably don't travel that well to. But what is your score prediction? I'm more optimistic about this one, but I agree in terms of the actual three games that we've had against kind of teams in the similar area. This is probably on paper the most tricky, but I just feel maybe we'll be a little bit more relaxed being on the road and, and can kind of just um, put the pressure on it and see what we can do. And I'm I'm going to lean towards a 1-1 a one -one draw, maybe, maybe even squeak it 2-1 late on, but I'll, I'll stay safe and I'll go 1-1 one -one for the prediction. Brilliant. And Ross for the Tweet League? Well, as we all know, our away form hasn't been great. Our three away wins this season have been against, you know, um, the newly promoted sides. Mm. That needs to change if we, if we, you know, we need a big away win against a side. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm just not sure. You know, normally I'm, I, I'm really positive. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat. I think I just, I struggle. It's one of those bogey grounds in my mind where I don't have, and I just feel like, I think a lot depends on Tuesday. I really do. I'll go with 2-1 to Middlesbrough, but I think, yeah, we need to be going into that game ideally from a win. Uh, and then that maybe could change it. I'll go with 2-1 to Middlesbrough. So the two results for the Tweet League this week are two, two one defeats. Uh, if if I'm right, if mem- memory serves me right. Um, so obviously some tricky games coming up. Uh, we mentioned at the start of the show we were going to discuss the transfer window, and the activity of Mark Robbins in that window. He's let Tyler Walker go out on loan, of course, to Portsmouth, and he's also brought in Jake Bidwell that we saw at the weekend. Matt, good business. Yeah, certainly from a Bidwell perspective, it's another solid signing for us. I know kind of you get to every window and as like every fan base in the country, you want to see millions of pounds being spent and big name players from Premier League clubs and everything else or or foreign uh, players coming in. But from a realistic point of view, for me, this is a really solid signing. And what we need to be uh, honest about with where we are as a club, we kind of, it's a progression really, it's a progression to, you know and there's no suggestion we're going to get relegated this season, but it's in terms of kind of our whole setup being a very yeah. settled championship squad that you can say, we're not going down this year, um, and we can continue to say, we, we're signing those experienced players who are going to um, bring that level of experience, we can come into next season and feel confident that, or look, you know relegation really isn't uh, a strong possibility or a strong threat to us, we kind of start to incrementally make our way up that table. And that's when we all start to have the budget to be able to spend more on players. So just looking at it from that perspective, it's all about value for money at the minute, At the minute, if we're being honest. And I think that's where we've excelled in over the last kind of three, four years with you look at some of the players we've brought in and, and now what they might be worth with O'Hare, uh, O'Hare and Hamer and uh, Giocarez and a few others as well. So for me, that goes into that vein, um, you know, if we were to, if, if somebody was to maybe be selling him on the back of a contract, I think you could be looking for one and a half to two million for a player of this experience at this level. So fantastic signing. Walker is an interesting one. I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind with it a little bit this this week. I thought, yeah, okay, I can understand it. Let him go out and loan and, and maybe get some confidence. But then I, the more I think about it, I just kind of, he scored goals in League One and League Two. And you're kind of thinking, we've got, well, we had a set kind of rotation of four strikers, which you're thinking is what most teams are looking for. They want that rotation of four options um, to go with. And, and you think that was a little bit odd to, to drop it down to three. And obviously it's been accentuated by the fact that Godden's been injured. But for me, I don't know. I, I do like Walker, but I think he's a striker who's, you know, I think we've touched on this a few times. He's got to start. Um, he doesn't seem to be the kind of option who's going to come into a game on 70 minutes and, and turn it for you. So. Um, I think it might be might be signaling the end for him and it might be more a case of if he can go there and score a few goals. Uh, unless he's scoring an absolute hat full of goals, you know, 20 in the second half of the season or something like that. It might be more a, shot, a case of a shot window. Shot window, yeah. If he can score, you know, decent number, if he can get into double figures, um, if he does get regular playing time there because they've obviously still got a few options, then um, I think it's more a case of what we can, we can potentially sell. Because you think there's going to be big League One teams still, even if, you know, a couple do go up. You've still yes, got you've got so yeah. many at that level: Sunderland, Wigan, Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday, Oxford, MK Dons. You know, you can keep going. So uh, there's going to be a team in there that are going to look at him if he can score ten 
plus goals for Portsmouth, they're going to think, right, it's worth, you know, maybe laying down a million plus for him at that level. So, yeah, from that perspective, I think it might signal the end for him. But certainly in terms of Bidwell, it's uh, another solid value for many addition to the squad. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned there about Ty Walker. We don't know the finances behind it, but presumably that has freed up some money, you would hope, or a percentage. Um, that's also seen Gibello leave the club um, with his sort of contract uh, coming to either a natural end or, or terminated. Not actually sure, and probably need to look into that. And Pask uh, and others gone out on loan to, to Newport, Ross. Um, we're also hearing that big players and big names are close to... Uh, you know, sign on the dotted line, I guess, for a, a bit of a longer period. Um, O'Hare, obviously the most recent of, of those. This this Walker has, has obviously hopefully added a bit more money to that. It, it would be nice to bring someone else in. Not sure we're going to, but yeah, sum up the sort of transfer window for us and how you think it's gone. I think it's been a very good transfer window for us, uh, to be honest. I think it, it was said very early on by Mark Robbins, and you've always got to say what he says with a slight pinch of salt. Uh, but, you know, he said, I don't expect anyone to come in and I don't expect anyone to leave, hopefully. And we know we've got a fair bit of dead wood. I mean, that's the thing we've got to remember. You know, we we see the squad on a match day, but you've got the likes of Jabello, Hilsner, Pask, Drisdell, De Costa, all these players, you know, Walker, who you'd bring on in the 89th minute. I mean, it's easy for us you know, to say, oh, well, you know, bring him on the 75th minute. He never did. He brought them in the 89th. So you just think there's all these players who are just sort of sat there really doing nothing. And I think I'm surprised to get Jabello out. I thought he was just going to hang on in there till the end of the season um, and then leave when his contract expires. Pasque is done because his contract is up at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I feel like we've outgrown players like Drisdale. And, you know, I even look at people like Josh Reed. And I just think, how's he going to progress you know uh to, to, to getting in you know because we've developed so much as a club so quickly we've signed players along the way and we've sort of just moved at a pace where actually we, we probably didn't expect to get out of league one when we did so and then now we're we've gone from we finished 16th in the championship in our first season and now you know we could be looking for a top 10 finish in our second but i think i think it's good for those players to leave they needed to go out i mean if we can get rid of hilsner I think De Costa hasn't got a future. I think if we can get rid of them, then I think it'd be would be a perfect transfer window. And so long as we could bring in for me, it's an attacking midfielder. Now, obviously, Matt Godin's injury isn't ideal. I've always been someone, and I've I've said it a lot to a lot of people. I, I would like to see Fabio Tavares. I'm not saying start him or bring him on for you know big chunks of the game, but look what Walker was being used as a one minute, 89th minute guy yeah. to sort of run around. No one can tell me that Fabio Tavares couldn't do at a minimum what Walker's doing and probably for a lot less money. Yeah, I, I, He's fast. He's got something that we haven't got, pace. If you're chasing the game, I've never, well, we've never brought Walker on in the 90th minute of a game and 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 got and then he's suddenly you know done something and we've we've salvaged it's always been like the graveyard shift for a couple of minutes like a token gesture so i want to see tavares on the bench i think you know last season max biamu earned his way into the side because he scored every game for the under 23s now tavares isn't just scoring every game he's scoring like a brace or a hat trick every every game so he can't really be doing much more in my mind he's i'm not saying start him at all i'm just saying you know i, I think clearly He's got something. And if we need him on the bench, 
and he could he could take Walker's place on the bench because Walker wasn't playing. Um, overall, I think it's been very good. I didn't expect to sign anyone, especially on a permanent deal. Bidwell coming in, I think, is a, a class signing. And I think just the other thing that some fans need to remember is this year's budget is from last season when we played with no fans all year. You know, we're not going to see the benefits of having 20,000 at the CBS until next season, you know. Um, so we're, we're all, all these clubs are recovering from, from COVID. And I see a lot of people on social media saying, oh, we need to invest. We need to get to that next level. But, but we are though, like you can't do it. You can't go from 16th in the championship and then get promoted unless you pump in loads and then be at risk of these clubs that we see because they've overspent. Yeah, exactly. If we finish, if we finish 10th this season, that would be huge and beyond anyone else's expectations. Because all I heard in the summer was we're, we're in for a long, hard season here. Um, that's all I heard was people going, oh, our squad's weaker because we've not signed Matty James and we've not signed Ostergaard. Well, look at it. We're playing even better. We've got a better squad. I wouldn't take either of them in our starting 11 at all right now. So we, we're doing well and we've actually got more assets. We've tied everyone down. We've only got two loan players. And as Matt said, I, I, I think Clark's Holt is the one we need to be looking to get. So I think if we finish 10th this season, we'll have a bigger budget next season because we've had the, the ticket receipts that we didn't have last year. And then we go again and we give it another go. And maybe we do sell Hamer in the summer to fund the, the spread of, you know, four or five players to come in, but then we improve again and we, and we go at that next level. It, I think it's, it's quite easy to forget how well we've done in such a short space of time. Overall, I think it's been a great January. I would love an extra edition. Will we get one? Like you say, David, I'm not sure, but I saw enough on Saturday to think, you know, we can give it a real good go and maybe we'll fall a little bit short, but we can give it a good go from now until the end of the season. Yeah. Well, that brings us very nicely, I guess, to the, the end of, um, end of the show. And yeah, thanks for, for joining again, guys, this, this evening, really enjoyed that. And listeners do make sure you check out our partners, Shortland Horn across their socials. And remember you can get involved with the conversation across our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages. All you need to do is use the hashtag sky blues extra podcast. Thanks for listening to the sky blues extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.